Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of a Trophy Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathman, coming to you from Atlanta. And hey, everybody, we made it. Through stops and starts, postponements and cancellations, the NCAA tournaments have arrived. And I'll tell you, if Thursday night's UCLA-Michigan State game is any indication of what is coming, what a weekend and week ahead we have in store. Our guest this week is the legendary Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. We'll talk about the men's tournament and the men's players and coaches that have been announced this week as finalists. We have had a very busy week here at World Headquarters in Atlanta getting ready for these awards and the voting. So we'll have more on that in just a moment. But first, let's reveal all of the finalists. The Atlanta Tip-Off Club announcing the finalists for the 2021 Jersey Mike's Naismith Women's Trophy. And they are Kentucky junior Ryan Howard, who was a 2020 finalist. Freshman Paige Beckers of UConn, who claimed the 2020 Jersey Mike's Naismith High School Trophy. They lead the list of contenders. Also among the finalists, Louisville senior Dana Evans and South Carolina sophomore Aaliyah Boston. For the men, the 2021 Jersey Mike's Naismith Trophy, the most prestigious individual honor in college basketball. The finalists are Oklahoma State's Cade Cunningham, Illinois' Io DeSumo, Iowa's Luca Garza, and Gonzaga's Corey Kispert. The 2021 Warner Ladder Naismith Men's Coach of the Year candidates. There are four finalists there, and they are Mark Few of top-ranked and undefeated Gonzaga. He won the award back in 2017, by the way. Baylor's Scott Drew and a couple of second-year coaches at their respective schools, Jawan Howard from Michigan and Alabama's Nate Oates. The four finalists for the 2021 Warner Ladder Naismith Women's Coach of the Year Awards are Texas A&M's Gary Blair, NC State's Wes Moore, Joni Taylor from Georgia, and Stanford's Tara Vanderveer, who looks to claim her third such award after winning it in 2011 and 1990. Once again, fans will have their say in who wins these top honors by participating in the Naismith Awards Fan Vote presented by Jersey Mike's. Now you can visit NaismithFanVote.com from today, March the 19th through the 31st. Fans will have the opportunity to cast a ballot daily for the Jersey Mike's Naismith Trophy for the Men's and Women's College Player of the Year and the Warner Ladder Naismith Coach of the Year Awards. There will also be opportunities to vote on Twitter. You can go to the Naismith Twitter page at Naismith Trophy and the NCAAs at March Madness. And the fan vote this year will account for 5% of the overall vote. So have some fun with that. Vote for your favorite coach, your favorite player, and watch these games. It is going to be amazing. The women's tournament gets underway Sunday in San Antonio. What a great weekend of basketball we have ahead of us. And straight ahead here on the podcast, we'll be chatting with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. But first, this from Jersey Mike's. Good things come to those who wait. At Jersey Mike's, they also come to those who don't. Download our app, order ahead, and skip the line. Cut to the Chase by Jersey Mike's. Be a sub above. It's always a pleasure to catch up with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, and he does so much for us at Naismith. He's on our Board of Selectors, of course, a Master Voting Academy member, U.S. Basketball Writers Hall of Famer, and when he speaks, we listen because he knows everything in, about this inside and out. Mike, how are you doing, sir? I am doing great, Bob. Always great to hear your voice. Well, thank you, pal. Uh, an exciting time 
uh, a crazy year. Uh, it's going to capped off, be capped off with a crazy tournament. Uh, just uh, the excitement of having brackets again and having the tournament to get underway this weekend. Uh, I know you're just as thrilled as everyone. Yeah, I, I remember so distinctly a year ago, uh, that Thursday, uh, I had spent uh, the, the, fr- the Wednesday night at the Big Ten Network Studios uh, doing studio analysis with uh, Dave Revson as the host and John Beeline and Tim Miles as the other analysts. And it, 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 there was such a, an overwhelming feeling of uh, that it was a dire situation. We, we were sitting there as all these news stories rolled in about the pandemic being declared. And uh, and then, of course, uh, Rudy Gobert testing positive. And, and you could just tell something was going to be bad uh, in the next few days. And I got home to Indianapolis, went to Bankers Life Fieldhouse, where the Big Ten tournament was supposed to continue without fans. And it was announced that the tournament had been canceled. And then you knew what was next. It was just a question of how and when the NCAA would announce. And 4.15, 4.13, something like that came to announcement there would be no tournament. And, and now you look back, Bob, and, and, and college basketball is the only really prominent spectator sport in America that had an inconclusive season. The NBA and NHL were able to take time off, come back. The NWSL was able to stage their tournament, at least have a champion of that. And MLS did both a tournament and and finished their season. Uh, NFL went all the way through. Baseball had a short season, but they did have a World Series. NCAA basketball, uh, most men's and women's, the only sports that didn't crown a champion uh, that are super prominent on the American sporting scene. And so it still now feels emptier than anything else relative to sports. And this is our chance to not necessarily conclude last year, but at least to to get through this one. And to even though it's not a hundred percent convenient for everybody, I know that, that, that it's difficult for the athletes and the coaches to be sort of sequestered in the way that they are. Uh, but the alternative is what we had last year, or if, if we continued forward without the sequestering and all of that, the possibility of what we saw last week with multiple uh, cancellations of games, I don't think we want that. So I I know it's really difficult for all the athletes. Uh, When I go to games, it's not going to be as joyous as it ordinarily is because I've got one eye on the court and another eye over my shoulder, making sure that the virus doesn't come sneaking up on me. But it's going to be better. Uh, it, 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 we're, we're getting toward, we're, with with the vaccinations coming and all that, we're getting toward you know the light of day, and and this is part of that. Get, you know, going through 67 games, sending home 67 teams with a with a loss and and the other one with a trophy. I, I think that will be huge uh, for both the feeling that we're making progress and also for the experience of the athletes and coaches involved. Oh, I think you're spot on because it is just the announcement of the brackets uh, and the field for the tournament gave us all a feeling that, you know, we're coming out of this. It's We're starting to turn the corner. And, you know, sports, basketball in particular, it's not going to bring anybody back, and we're sad about that. But it's going to give us such a boost because it is the one thing, Mike, as you know, that brings – 
in so many people who are just the casual sports fan or, or even a non-sports fan, but they can fill out a bracket and feel like they're a part of it. And it brings our country together, if ever so briefly, and, and for something around a college basketball tournament, don't you think? I totally agree with that. And, and the only thing missing this year, Bob, is that instead of playing hooky from work one day, two <laughs> days, you can only do it one day. And so we'll be missing that. And but it still will be better uh, than than everybody being home, working from home, and 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 no one being having any games to distract them. Uh, it, I, I I I was emotional a year ago when I got done with the article that I wrote that announced the cancellation of the tournament, and when I got done uh, on Sunday night uh, doing uh, the Big Ten Network breakdown, uh, the the big show breakdown of the tournament, I, I felt a little bit again. I felt it again that, you know, here we are, we're, we're back. Uh, yeah. This sport that I love and have loved for so long, um, we're back. And, and this time, you know, it's not going away. Mike, how do you plan on covering the tournament? Well, I, I, you know, honestly, um, I ordinarily, although I have, I, I will often go to a second round site. What I, what the last few times uh, I've done it, I, I went to, uh, our office, our headquarter office. In 2019, I went to our headquarters and spent a day, a couple days there to watch the first two days, and then drove to a, 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 an adjacent site. That year, it was going to be South Carol. It was South Carolina, and I, I drove down to Columbia, and I was there for the great Duke UCF game that was so amazing. Uh, well, th- it, but I usually like to be somewhere where I can see everything for those first couple days. So this year, since uh, there's that added complication. Uh, I, I thought, you know what, I'll just stay home the first two rounds and then I'll pick it up. And I live in Indianapolis. I, I didn't mention that. So the tournament is literally a half hour from my house in almost every venue. So I, 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 I round of 16, I still don't know exactly where I'll go for that because I don't know where everybody will be, uh, but I'll go to a round of 16 site uh, each day, Thursday, I guess it's Friday, Saturday. Um, and then I'll go to an Elite Eight site each day. And then, of course, I'll be at the Final Four as well. Uh, so I, 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 I'm staying home uh, the first couple of days, but, uh, but I'll be back out there. And, and, and amazingly, I mean, it'll be the first live basketball I'll have seen in more than a year. And, and wow. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I know. Wow. I think a, a many broadcasters and writers are in that same boat. They haven't been back in the gym, and it's a, it's a great feeling, I will tell you, even Absolutely. even without fans, just to see the young people playing and coaches coaching and you know doing what we'd love to do. Um, it's been a big week for us at Naismith. We've made our announcements for the Coach of the Year candidates and the Player of the Year finalists uh, for both the men and the women. I want to talk to you about the men's Coach of the Year and Player of the Year. Uh, I, earlier, before you came on, Mike, I went down the list of Juwan Howard and Scott Drew, Mark Few, Nate Oates. Uh, what strikes you about those four? All of them uh, have excellent teams, obviously, looking to make a deep run of the tournament. You know, th- this is one of those there are no wrong answers kind of thing. Uh, and, and it's interesting because my, my standard feeling has always been that if you win all of your games, how are you not coach of the year? And so when uh, Greg Marshall did it in 2014 with Wichita, he was the sporting news coach of the year that year. And the same thing a year later with John Calipari. Uh, and, and I know I, I, I'm maybe judging 
um, Mark a little hard, more harshly by that standard. But, uh, I mean, the next year when he won all but one of his games, he was the sporting news coach of the year. So he already has a trophy in that respect. <laughs> and the thing that the, – the reason why I, I sort of side, so to speak, with, with Jawan Howard in this debate is that is that he has overcome some challenges that – uh, that others have not had to do. And, and and what I mean by that is, first of all, there's the fact that he came into college basketball with, other than his three years playing for the Wolverines at Michigan, playing as part of the Fab Five, had no had no college basketball background. He, he had spent the previous 26 years, I guess, either playing or coaching in the NBA. So he had a great background in basketball, but it's different in college. And I, there had been a very long list of either players or coaches who came from the NBA and then tried to coach college without having had any real background in it other than maybe they played, and and they failed spectacularly. I mean, the, the track record was awful uh, for those uh, for uh, Clyde Drexler as an example, Mike Dunleavy at Tulane. Uh, these things weren't happening. Uh, Chris Mullen, it, it wasn't awful, but it didn't work, and it only lasted four years. The only really uh, shining success story in probably about 20 different people who tried to do that was Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. So Jawan was facing that, uh, you know, having to learn how to be a college coach as well as learning how to be a head coach. And in two years, here he is with one of the, the four best teams in the country. And you add on the complication of following a legend, uh, someone who had, uh, who was widely acknowledged as one of the best technical coaches in the game, uh, and who also also had coached in two NCAA title games in the previous decade. Uh, that's not easy to do either. And Juwan managed to get over both of those hurdles so smoothly. It was like he was uh, Roger Kingdom. I mean, he just it just flowed so smoothly. He 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 got all of it right. Uh, the, the media, the public, the recruiting, uh, scouting. And when I say scouting, as much scouting the other team, but more so scouting guys like Mike Smith from Columbia, looking at his tape and saying, that guy can help us. If he wants to transfer in here, he's going to help us. Uh, it, all that kind of stuff. And so I, I think he did a fabulous job. Uh, Scott, amazing coach. And Nate Oates, what he's done in Alabama two years, tremendous. And you know, I can't say enough. I mean, what Mark Few has done as a college basketball coach is literally unprecedented. Nobody has ever gone to a mid-major program and turn, in the way that he has and turned them to, into an enduring national power uh, in the way that Mark has. It, no one has. And we've seen, uh, like John Calipari elevated UMass uh, and, and from nowhere and made him a power. And I'm sure John could have sustained that if he had chosen to stay at UMass. But he didn't. Uh, that's that. That's the standard. Is you elevate the program, you get out be- before it start. You know, before everybody starts to realize how hard it is, uh, and then you get a you know more lucrative job somewhere. And Mark just said, "No, nah, this is my place. I'm staying here. I don't care. You throw UCLA, Indiana, Kentucky, NBA over at, at me. I'm staying here." And he has. And he's not only, you know, he not only made it a major power, then he made it a mega power one of the absolute best programs in college basketball. So if if anybody wants to vote for Mark, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> uh, he's done uh, incredible work. I wish I had you as a teacher. 
there are no wrong answers. I, I would have been, <laughs> I would have enjoyed that class. Uh, yes. Let's talk about player of the year because all these guys, and again, I think the same uh, applies that uh, these guys in uh, Desumu and Garza, Cunningham and Kispert have been off the chart, uh, particularly Cunningham, to, to do what he's done as a freshman at Oklahoma State. Just tremendous. Lucas sort of was the favorite, I guess, going into the season, but uh, not a lock uh, because of the the great competition that, that's come his way uh, during this season. What do you think about our players of the year candidates? They're, they're, they all had great years. And I will tell you uh, that for, for the Sporting News All-America team, uh, you know, I could pick it myself or talk to a couple people on staff, but because we are part of the NCAA consensus, it's four organizations, us, the NABC, the AP, and the USBWA, the U.S. Basketball Writers, that are part of the NCAA consensus. It's not right for just me to do it. So I collect a gathering of about 25 uh, basketball journalists, uh, 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 television uh, analysts and, and play-by-play people, and I, and I gather this group. And, and so it's sort of a select group of people. And in this year's vote, those four players, uh, two of them, Luca and Io DeSumo, were unanimous. Out of 25 or so ballots cast, unanimous. And Corey missed by two votes, I think, and Cade missed by one. So that's how clear and above everybody. And hey, Jared Butler from Baylor, who's not on this list, this list, was also very close to unanimous. It was, I mean, basically it was those five guys and then everybody who's on second team, as great as they are, clearly second team. So this group that we have here as the finalists for the Naismith Award are are the absolute cream of the crop. And, and I, I, you know, I look at Luca Garza as someone who uh, who has done everything required of him to win that award, came in as the favorite, elevated himself from a scoring standpoint, their defense at Iowa. Uh, he's a big part of it. And and a year ago, def- it, it, saying you're a big part of the Iowa defense was not flattering. I mean, they were 97th in America in defensive efficiency. And a month ago, they were actually worse. By After they'd lost four out of six games in, an early, in late January, early February, they were 105th, I think. And but look over the last month as Iowa has progressed up the charts and now to a number two seed in the NCAA tournament, they're all the way up to 50th. They've climbed more than 50 spots in defensive efficiency, and he's a big part of that. So even though he's known as a scorer, uh, somewhat as a rebounder, uh, he's done a really nice defensive job clogging the lane, uh, not giving ground to, to the really good big guys that he faced in the Big Ten. Uh, so I think he's a, a very worthy winner of the award. Uh, Io DeSumo was putting a lot of pressure on him, and it's certainly no fault of Io that he was injured with four or five games left in the regular season, and I think he missed three games. And it, it, It's just when, when you miss those games, even as great as your season turns out, uh, maybe it's a little harder to close the ground. But then the Big Ten tournament comes along, and, and you know the NCAAs to an extent, uh, maybe it gives him time to catch up. So uh, I think he was very close to, to Luca going into that, and I think he's done very well uh, since he returned from his injury to try to, to see if he can keep pace and maybe pass him. Uh, the other two players are outstanding. Kate Cunningham has been amazing, especially in the last month. I don't know that he has been as consistently excellent 
over the course of the entire season. He was obviously wonderful, but not at the level of the other two. But over the level, last month, he has been as good as anybody and maybe better than anybody. Uh, it's a question of whether you just judge recency or whether you take into account the whole season when you look at Cade. Corey is a magnificent player. I don't remember. I mean, maybe go back uh, you know, to Steph Curry the last time we saw a guy who mm-hmm. shot the ball like this. Uh, just a ridiculous shot maker. And he's going to make a ton of money in the NBA because of that ability. And, and, and good for him. Uh, I, I think that in terms of player of the year candidacy, my opinion, uh, that he didn't have to do as much heavy lifting as the other three because he's, first of all, surrounded by more talent. And second of all, although they played a magnificently difficult non-conference schedule and conquered it all, it, as the season got went on, the challenge challenge then was not as great. Uh, so I uh, was, you know, eagerly wrote down Corey's name as a first team All American, and I think that he absolutely 100% deserves that. And we're proud to have him at Sporting News as one of our five. Uh, but I think that's the differential between him and and the other two or three candidates that are in the vote. Yeah, it's fabulous that all four, of course, will be. Uh, featured prominently here in the weeks to come as their teams uh, get going with the NCAA tournament. Mike, I, I did want to ask you, uh, before we let you go, the, the flip side, of course, to, to all the success is that there are coaching changes. And and the one spot that uh, draws a lot of intrigue, I think, nationally is Indiana. What What is your feeling about the Hoosiers' situation and where they may go? Well, you know, I, I think that... The Indiana situation is as complicated a coaching search as I can remember because they've done this now twice in the last 13 years, I guess, 13 or 14 years. Uh, they, they hired Tom Crean in 2008. Uh, so it's, I guess, yeah, the last 13 years. Tom Crean in 2008 coming, you know, as a, as a coach who had been in the Final Four in 2003 from a program that doesn't traditionally hadn't traditionally made it that far very often, not since the early 70s with Al McGuire. Uh, so that you have that. Uh, and then you had Archie Miller, who came from Dayton with four consecutive NCAA tournament appearances and Elite Eight uh, for the first time there in a long time. And so they hired the, the hot up, up-and-coming coach, the rising coach, and they weren't happy with either circumstance. And so that puts you in a position where, okay, well, if hiring the next hot guy, so to speak, isn't going to ultimately be a happy circumstance, then you've kind of narrowed your choices quite a bit. You have to get somebody in here that is a heavyweight, that is a no-brainer, and that no one can question after he has his first you know, losing streak. And, that's, and so that narrows it down quite a bit, and I don't know who the guy is that fills that spot. I, I know some that could, if they were interested or willing. I mean, if John Beeline wanted to come back and, and wanted to coach in the Big Ten at a different school other than Michigan, that would be one. Uh, Brad Stevens, if he wanted to give up the NBA uh, and coach at Indiana, that would be one. Uh, but I don't know that, that either of those circumstances is the, is the next step for either coach. I don't know. I, I, I have a pretty good feeling Brad has already said that he's not interested, uh, that, that he, that he wants to remain the coach of the Celtics. He said that on the, on, on the radio, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, 
uh, after Selection Sunday. Uh, so I, I, I just wonder what what it is that would work at Indiana now, given that they've I mean, they've hired. Uh, you look at the resumes of the coaches they've hired since Bob Knight left, and the resumes were all great on the on the way in, uh, but they they weren't happy experiences for anybody on the, on the way through. It's a fascinating story that we'll be following and reading your dispatches, uh, every word for sure. You can follow him, follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike. Mike DeCourcy, we cannot thank you enough, first of all, for sharing time with us today, but also for all you do for us at Naismith. We, uh, we couldn't uh, do th- this without you. Your insights and knowledge is second to none, and we thank you, sir. Thanks very much, Bob. It's uh, very nice of you to say, and it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Mike, thank you very much. Our Citizen What to Watch For, Citizen the Official Watch of the Naismith Awards, Citizen EcoDrive Watches are sustainably powered by light and never need a battery. Hmm, what to watch? Uh, I would think watch for sales at the big box stores for additional DVRs so you can record all these games and watch them back. Men's tournament, hot and heavy Friday and Saturday. The women get going on Sunday. The women's side is going to be televised by the ESPN family of networks. And, of course, CBS and Turner combined to show all the men's games. It is a basketball bonanza. We'll talk more about it next week. From Atlanta, World Headquarters checking in. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week on a Trophy Life podcast.